On the other hand, وَالَّذِينَ يَنْقُضُونَ عَهْدَ اللَّهِ Those people who break the covenant of Allah. مِنْ بَعْدِ مِيثَاقِهِ After contracting it, after making it with Allah. And what is this عَهْد? The عَهْد alast. So they break it, how? By disbelieving. They're called, they don't respond. They're invited to believe, they don't believe. They're invited to Islam, they don't accept. So they're breaking their covenant with Allah. They made the ahd alast, but they contradict it in their lives. وَيَقْطَعُونَ And they cut off مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَن يُصَلْ That which Allah has ordered should be joined. Meaning they sever their relationships. وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ And they spread fasad in the earth. They spread fasad in the earth. I want you to look at the ayah in which the characteristics of ulul albab were mentioned. Who are they? وَالَّذِينَ يَصِلُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَن يُصَلْ وَيَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ وَيَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ And over here what is mentioned? وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ So the opposite of fearing Allah is what? Doing fasad in the earth. Because when a person doesn't have the fear of Allah, then what did the Prophet ﷺ say? إِذَا لَمْ تَسْتَحْيِ When you don't have any shyness, you don't have any modesty, you don't have any respect for the other, then فَصْنَعْ مَا شِئْتْ Then do whatever you will. Meaning then there's no limits. So this is why, وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ They spread corruption in the land. أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ اللَّعْنَةِ For them is the curse. وَلَهُمْ سُوءُ الدَّارِ And for them is the worst home. And what is that worst home? Hellfire. So what is mentioned over here? About the opposite, that they ruin their relationships. You see, relationships can only be good if one has sabr over what he suffers at the hands of the others. He is tolerant. But when he doesn't have that tolerance, when he makes a big deal out of minor issues, little issues, then what does that lead to? Fasad. Corruption. And يُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ They spread corruption in the land, whether it is by breaking promises or by being treacherous or by breaking ties of relationships. The one who is ruining this dunya, mean the one who is ruining the dunya of another person, the life of another person, in reality he is destroying his own akhirah. What is he doing? He is destroying his own akhirah. You know when people go and break in somewhere and steal some money, you know, destroy someone's property, then okay, they got some money, they're gonna have a little bit of fun, but at the same time, they hurt some other people. They harmed their dunya. In reality, what have they done? They have destroyed their akhirah. They have destroyed their own akhirah. So when we are hurting others, taking the peace of their lives away, in reality, what are we doing? Destroying our akhirah. The one who bothers others will be bothered in return. Allah extends provision for whomsoever He wills. Meaning He increases it, He expands it, and this rizq, material provision in this life, He extends it for who? For whomsoever He wills. And He also restricts. Meaning He limits it. As much as He wills. Whenever He wills. So rizq, this is in whose hands? Allah's hands. He decides He can expand it for someone and He can limit it. For whoever. Whenever. A person is given a lot in one year and in the following year, limited. A person was given very limited in the first few years and then unlimited later. And this can even fluctuate in life. A lot less, a lot less. Why? Because this is within the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He tests His servant through it. 
فَوْفَرِحُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا But they rejoice in the worldly life. The people, they just get very happy. فَرْح They get happy with the life of this world. Meaning if they have a lot of risk, they're happy. If somebody gets it, they think they're very successful. They think they're very lucky. They're very fortunate. Whereas having this dunya, having a lot of risk here, that doesn't mean much. That doesn't mean that definitely a person is successful. Because وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ إِلَّا مَتَاعٍ The life of this dunya compared to the akhirah, it is nothing but matar. It is nothing but a temporary enjoyment, a brief enjoyment. The life of this dunya is so cheap. The things of this world are so cheap, so insignificant. Just something to be enjoyed for some time, used temporarily, and khalas. Finished. And you know what's so amazing? That we see this happen in this life. You go buy something, you spend so much time and energy choosing for the right thing, right color, right texture. And what happens? You bring it home, you use it, you see it you know, rusting, you see it cracked, you see it going bad, and then you say, you know what? It needs to be replaced. It dies before your eyes. Um, new technology that comes out couple months. Yes, new technology. What happens with it? Within a couple months, it's it's old. It's old. And when it first comes out, and you have it in your hand, you feel like you're something. وَفَرِحُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا They're so happy. I have the first iPhone. Yeah, look at it now. Look at it now and compare it with an average Android. What does it look like? It looks so ancient, so bulky, so heavy. Look at the screens, just compare it. But what happened when you first held it? You felt as though you were so lucky. فَرِحُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ dunya. And actually, there's actually a term for this called planned or perceived obsolescence, which basically means that things are actually made to run out at a certain time. Before, you know, decades ago, things were actually made and designed for it to sort of last, last. for a really, really long time. Like my mom, for example, she would make sure that the blender she has can go as far as it can. But you know what? Now you can't really say that because things are actually made to run out at a certain time. Yeah. Because there's always going to be better improved technology coming out, so it's going to become useless in front of your eyes. Even if it works perfectly fine, you're outdated because you have it, because there's a better option. So no matter what we have of this dunya, no matter how technologically advanced it is, no matter how efficiently it works, remember there is better in Jannah. Because the life of this dunya is what? Just a matar. What is matar? Something that you enjoy? Use for some time, temporarily. The things of this dunya, like dishes, utensils, they're matar. Now, we see that in every nation, every place in this world, every era, people, they differ in their, you can say, economical position. Some have more money, some have less. Right? Some are wealthier and some are not that wealthy. There's a difference, Always. There's always people who have more money compared to others. Hmm? People don't have the exact same money. right? There's a difference. But we see that in every place, in every era, people who have more money are considered to be more fortunate and more successful. We know about the richest people of the world, but the poorest people of the world, are they listed? No. We give a lot of importance to people who have money, but people who have less money, they're 
not given that much importance. But what do we learn over here? That this is the division of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He can change it for any servant whenever He wills. So, what's the lesson in this? If we have been given something, don't be overly happy about it. That this is it. Don't make your focus the material success of this dunya. That if I am financially stable, if I have a stable income, if I have this much money in my savings, then I'll be happy. No, your happiness should not depend on your money. Your happiness must not depend on your financial status. If you think about it, someone can be having like a really high salary and they think they're all well and then something happens to them, they get a really bad disease or something and everything's just taken away from them. Yeah. One accident can kill a person. I was watching a video recently about a, he's a famous uh, rap, rapper. His name is Loon. Um, he converted um, like a long time ago. He was rich. He had like, a lot of money. And he said, rich people, they don't really notice what they have. Like, they have it until someone that's less fortunate than them comes along and becomes their friend. And they're like, wow, you have that car? And then they realize, oh, yeah, I have it. Then they enjoy it for some time. And then at the end of the day, they just put it back in their garage. And then that's it. They don't remember. It's just something that's temporary. Until someone... That's, that doesn't have it. They're like, oh my God, you have this, wow, this will sick, oh, all that. You don't. So, if you have something, وَفَرِحُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ dunya, Don't be overly happy about it and think you're the luckiest person on the planet. And if you don't have something, don't feel that you are the most unfortunate person. In... Go ahead. Assalamualaikum. Uh, I saw a reminder recently that someone out there is praying for everything that we take for granted. Just a reminder to be grateful for every little thing. Yes. Be grateful for every little thing. Just the very peace that we enjoy in our homes, on our streets, at night, during the day, in our masajid. We complain about the heat, we complain that the masjid is stuffy, it's overpacked. At least it is safe. We complain that the fasts are too long, at least you have food at the end of the day. We complain that our house is too small or it's too stuffy, at least it is safe and secure. Assalamu alaikum. We did the class yesterday. There's a writing of the, one of the khatib of the, when he did the Friday khutbah. He said, I'm going to share one of the story. One of the person, he said, please, uh, Sheikh, I want to talk with you, Imam, after khutbah. He said, okay. Uh, and he came to him and said, please make me dua. Either Allah cure me or either Allah take my life. The Imam, he said, I was really wondering why he asked me for this kind of dua. So either he cured me. The, he said, what's the problem? What's right? He said, I have a problem. When I want to close my eyes during the night, I cannot able close my eyes. And I have to use a tool which is hurting me to use this one. In the morning, when I wake up to open my eyes, I cannot able to open my eyes. I have to use the tool which is hurting me so much I can be able to open my eyes. Now, he said, remember the small things, imagine how many blessings we have it, we neglecting, we just do not appreciate it, we just look at, oh, she has BMW, why I do not have it? She has this one, I do not have it. But we forget all about what we have it inside in our heart. They said, just remember, if you can able to 
just use your one leg mm-hmm. and you walk without one leg. Can you able to do that? But we never appreciate what we have it in one of our bodies. Yes. What we have, we don't appreciate. And what we see other people having, we want it. We want that. This is why we're constantly busy. You know, she has this, I need to get this as well. We keep looking at the things that other people have. This is why we're never satisfied with so many things that we have. Our greed, it just keeps increasing and we keep chasing this dunya. And we forget the main purpose of our lives. Um, I was reading recently about some diseases in the world that people don't know where it comes from or how to cure it. And um, I was reading one that made me really sad because we're always so ungrateful, like wasting water and things like that. But there's um, a disease and it's actually not that rare anymore. It's quite common in some places. And um, basically the person who has it is allergic to water. So that, um, and it's not even like just drinking the water. Like if it touches their bodies, it like, it burns their bodies, like their tears, their sweat. There's a woman in the States, she can't be in the shower for more than 10 seconds a week because her body will burn if she does. And since our bodies are 70% water, she just constantly has a rash. I know someone like that. It's not, I don't know the severity, like what the range is, but... She can't, like, she, she's been to dermatologists and these prescribed creams and everything, but she says nothing works. And she's had it since childhood. And she says some days are better than others, but, um, yeah, she's constantly got rashes all over her body. Being allergic to water? It makes me think of the Hadith where it says that as long as you wake up with a house and a sound body and enough um, food to last the day. It's like you have the whole world. And it's so true if you think about it. If one of those things are missing, then it's like your whole day goes by so bad. But if you have those three things, it's like you have literally everything in the world. alaikum. I remember one something, some allergy come in my face. Whenever I make wudu, I couldn't make wudu. It's increased more and more. Until I go to the doctor, I went to the doctor and give me some medicine. But I couldn't make what was almost 15 days I was doing tayammum. The ni'mah we are in it, we don't know it until we... Yes. And this is just the body. And then there's so many other things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us that we can use, we can enjoy, we can see, we can eat, we can wear, we can sit on, we can walk with, we can drive in, so many things. But we're, most of the time we're complaining instead of being grateful. I know someone who is an insomniac. And I mean, like, I know people who go through bouts of it throughout the year, but I know someone who's like a full-on insomniac. And throughout Ramadan, it hit me really hard because obviously we're lacking sleep and we're always tired. So, you know, I had two days without sleep and I was finished by the end of it. Like, I was exhausted. I couldn't even hear what my mother was saying to me. So I was wiped out made me remember that person how they couldn't sleep at night every single night unless they took prescribed pills from the doctor and sometimes they're like the pills make me feel sick so I don't take the pills and then I stay up all night like they just they cannot sleep and we don't realize what a huge blessing just that sleep is sometimes we just like look at people at what they have on the surface like for example I have a cousin and she's really pretty mashallah and I would look at her and I'd feel like I'm not as pretty and stuff you know but then um, 
But then I found out recently that like she had this problem, so she had to take a medication, and that medication had this side effect, so she had to take another medication for that, and now she's like drowning in pills. And so I felt like, alhamdulillah, at least I have a normal body. You know, at least like I don't have to go through those unnecessary pains. Yes. And whenever you see someone with a blessing, instead of looking at their blessing and you know overly admiring them and wishing that you had it, Praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because alhamdulillah, praise Allah. MashaAllah, la quwwata illa billah. So that first of all, we are prevented from hasad. And at the same time, we do not become proud about what we have. There's no you know, hatred for that individual and they're also protected from the ayn. Um, the other day we went to the hospital to visit a friend and then we came across another woman sitting outside. And... Um, we just said hi and we passed by and she asked, I was with my daughter and she asked, oh, you have a nice daughter in this. So my daughter asked her, are you okay? And, and she said, yeah, I'm okay, but my husband is here. And then when I saw my daughter asking a lot, then I stopped and then I talked to her also. And then um, she was with her husband who she brings to the hospital three times a, a week where he has to go through dialysis. And then my daughter didn't understand, so the woman was kind enough to explain that what dialysis is. So that sticked with her the whole day, the whole night, where she came home and she started telling others. So sometimes we just go about that we don't know the blessing we have in our own bodies. Yes. I also had to visit somebody in the hospital recently, and I found out that the person who was sharing the room with them just come from some surgery. 80-year-old something man in his 80s and he fell and broke his hip and nobody was coming to visit him he had no visitors so the people who were there they were just trying to make conversation with him and he was just saying that I actually have a son who's handicapped who's in a wheelchair and I look after him imagine this 80-year-old man is looking after his son who's in a wheelchair they've got no family Nothing. So he's lying on that bed after that surgery, concerned about his son. Because he, he's worried, how is my son going to eat? Because his son is on a wheelchair. We are very ungrateful people. Very ungrateful people. We complain about so many things and we don't realize the blessings that we have. We think that certain people, certain things, certain circumstances in our lives are actually a problem. They're not a problem, they're a blessing for us. And if we just look outside the kind of lives that other people are living, lonely, miserable, empty lives, maybe we would be a little bit grateful. Yes. As-salamu alaykum. We all have problems, but some of them, they have ability to be grateful and remember Allah. But it's the blessing that Allah gives people because if Allah didn't give us ability to be grateful, whatever He gives us bad or good or difficult, we're not going to be able. Because I remember my grandma back home, I was really young, and I never understood her. She had a disease in her back, and nobody knew what kind of disease was. And it was really cruciating pain that she go through and five minutes after she is very normal and nobody knows what happened. And I remember we have, me and my sister, at night we have to be 
one time at a time, whenever has pain, she have to comfort her. But one thing that struck me, and I remember, like last five years, six years, every time is, I never heard seeing her, I have a pain. Whenever you ask her, how are you doing? She said, I'm good, I'm, I'm great. I never heard her, my grandma, saying that she has a pain. And that's ability. That's ability that God gave her because everybody doesn't have ability to be grateful yes. whatever they are going through. Yes. And those who are grateful to Allah in good times, only then they can be grateful in difficult times. Otherwise, how can a person remember Allah in tough times, in hard times? Assalamu alaikum. I was also thinking that we should be grateful in the sense that, you know, Allah has given us eyesight so we can read the Quran. He has made it so easy for us and I think all of us here to be able to worship Him, right? To fulfill our promise with Allah, to pray. We have limbs, we can bow down, we can go to Rukul, we can do sujood, we can read the Quran, we can listen to the Quran. He has given us all of these faculties and He's made it so much easier for us to worship Him because a lot of people don't have that. And then the people who don't, the people who are blind and they're reading the Quran in Braille and everything, it's so much harder, but they're doing it. And we have that and we're not grateful to Allah when we open the Quran that Allah has given us hands to turn the pages. I remember I read somewhere how there was this teenager and he was really upset that, you know, because he was paralyzed, he was really upset that he couldn't so badly wanted to turn the pages of the Quran when he was reading it. And then that makes you think that how easy it is for us. I feel like sometimes we're ungrateful because we're not put in the situation where we can be like, you know, say alhamdulillah and stuff. Like a couple of months ago, my friend, she's been in the hospital for years now. And she has a disease called Crohn's where you can't eat anything. So the doctors have given her surgery. Her intestines have cut into half, half, half. So small, she's attached to something. It's really horrible. So... One of the ways I thought of like, you know, remembering Allah is that, you know the hadith where, the, where Allah says that, did you come see me or something? Yeah. And, you know, like, so I went to, to, to the hospital to see her. And that, that day when I came home, I really fell down in tears. And I was like, subhanAllah, like I have everything. And she was crying. She's like, I don't understand how people are so ungrateful and they smoke, they do this and they don't take care of themselves while I'm struggling for five minutes of my life here. Yes. So whenever something's bothering you in your life and you feel like complaining or you're unhappy with the way things are, just go to the hospital, literally, and just walk through the corridors. Just do that. And you'll be grateful for the fact that you were able to walk. alaikum. Just going to the hospital, like there's so much reward for that, for going to visit the sick. But nowadays, I was in my bio class and the professors, they're promoting not going to the hospital because they said that um, there's so many germs out there that if you go, just by sitting in the hospital, you get sick. So, subhanAllah. You get sick. Exactly. Allahu Akbar. If you go to the hospital, you'll get sick. Inna lillahi wa inna Prophet said, there is no adwa. There is no contagious disease in the sense that just because someone is sick, that doesn't mean you will also become sick. In another hadith, we learned the Prophet ﷺ said that there's one thing that will continue in my ummah, and that is the people saying that, you know, I got sick because of so and so. That this camel got sick because of this camel. He said, where did it start from? Yes, everything comes from somewhere, but Allah allows it to happen. So you cannot get sick unless that sickness is decreed for you. It doesn't mean that you go in the face of 
problems. No, you take your precaution, your protection, you know, when you go to the hospital and you wash your hands when you leave the hospital. And inshallah, Allah will keep you safe. But go meet the sick, the relatives, the friends who are unwell. Go bring a smile on their face. You know, remove their loneliness. Say a word of comfort to them. You know, somebody who's unwell, we went to see them and they told me that somebody came to see them for just literally a few minutes. Literally a few minutes. She said they came and they just read Surah Al-Fatiha for her a couple times and said, my car is running outside. Somebody's waiting in the car for me. I have to go for a class. But she came just to visit. And that made her day. It made her so happy. So there's a lot of ibra, many lessons, and a lot of good in this for us when we go see people who are suffering more than us. It makes us grateful for what we have. Because otherwise, we just got lost in our lives. وَفَرِحُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Just be happy with the life of this world. وَيَقُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And those people who disbelieve say, لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ مِنْ رَبِّهِ How come a miracle has not been given to him by his Lord? The people of Mecca, they used to consider themselves very wealthy. You know, of course, they would compare their economical position with that of the Prophet and would say that we are more rich compared to him. How come we were not given prophethood? There were people in Mecca who were actually jealous of the Prophet ﷺ. Why is it that he was given prophethood when we have more sons, when we have more money, when we have more power and influence? So they considered themselves very wealthy, which is why they were proud and they felt that they were more deserving. And they would say to the Prophet ﷺ that if you're really a prophet, then how come you don't have some super amazing miracle? Like a lot of gold or your house being made into gold or this Mount Safa being turned into gold. How come you don't show these miracles to us? So they would say, لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ مِّن رَبِّهِ How come a miracle has not been given to him from his Lord? قُلْ say, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُضِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah lets to go astray whomsoever He wills. وَيَهْدِي إِلَيْهِ مَنْ أَنَابُ And He guides to Himself whomsoever turns to Him. Meaning, Allah allows those people to go astray. Who? Those whom He wants. And who is it that Allah sends astray? People who don't want to be guided. And who is it that Allah gives guidance to? Those who? Man anab, those who turn to Him, those who are humble. You see, miracles, they don't guide. They don't bring iman in the heart of a person. They can only improve the iman that is already present. Miracles, they improve iman, they enhance it, they don't cause iman to happen. Iman only comes when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides a person. And when will Allah guide a person? When a person wants to be guided. When he wants hidayah. In a hadith we learned that the mushrikeen asked the Prophet ﷺ to turn Mount As-Safa into gold. And they also asked him to cause a spring to gush forth for them. Meaning in Mecca. And remove the mountains from around Mecca and replace them with green fields and gardens. So basically a whole lot of demands. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said to the Prophet ﷺ, If you wish, O Muhammad, I will give them what they asked for. If you wish, all of these miracles can be shown. However, if they disbelieve after that, I will punish them with the punishment that I did not punish any among the worlds. Meaning such a punishment will come upon them that is going to be very unique. Nothing of its like has ever happened. 
Or if you wish, I will open for them the door to repentance and mercy. So the Prophet ﷺ said, بَلْ تَفْتَحْ لَهُمْ بَابَ التَّوْبَةِ وَالرَّحْمَةِ Rather open for them the door to repentance and mercy. Meaning don't show these miracles, we don't want them. Rather, Ya Allah, keep the door of repentance and mercy open for the people, give them time, and eventually they will believe. Those who want to believe. And who are those people who turn to Allah? الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who believe. وَتَطْمَئِنُّ قُلُوبُهُمْ بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ And whose hearts are assured by the remembrance of Allah. Their hearts are assured by whose remembrance? By remembering the money that's sitting in their bank account. Hmm? Or by remembering the gold that's sitting in their locker. Yeah? No. These things can never bring you comfort. They only make you worried and more worried and more worried. They take the peace of your life away. Hmm? Their hearts find peace in what? In the dhikr of Allah. What is itmi'nan? Itmi'nan is to be relieved from shak, from doubt, from restlessness. You see, we experience doubt, we experience shakiness, when we are indecisive, when we're unsure, we feel nervous, we lack confidence, okay? We are afraid, we get worried. And all of these things, they're basically caused by some void, something that is missing. Like for example, you lost your keys, you cannot find them. How do you feel? Happy? No, no, no. You're constantly shaky, you're constantly restless, in doubt, you're like, did I put it there? Did I put it there? Do I still have it in my bag? You can't sit in peace, you can't have a conversation in peace, you're constantly worried, you're constantly anxious. So when is it that your heart will find peace and comfort? When is it that it will be reassured? When you find the keys. Something's bothering you. Should you go somewhere or should you not go somewhere? It's bothering you a lot. So when is it that you can be at peace? When? When that problem is resolved and you see a good reason to go and you go. Or you see a good reason to not go and you don't go. You have a question and that question is bothering you. And eventually when you find the answer, you're at peace. This is itmi'nan. That when that void is filled up, when that doubt is replaced with yaqeen, when that feeling of uncertainty, of indecisiveness is removed, that is itmi'nan. When that fear, that worry, that concern is gone and you are at peace. So, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِنُّ قُلُوبُهُمْ بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Their hearts find peace in the remembrance of Allah. Why? Because Allah بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ تَطْمَئِنُّ الْقُلُوبُ Unquestionably, it is only in the dhikr of Allah that the hearts will find rest. You see, if your keys are lost... And somebody says, have a piece of cake, you'll feel better. Have this cookie, you'll feel good. No, I'm not going to feel good until I find my keys. You know, it's like a child is hurt and they're crying because they want to go to their mom. And you tell them, oh, play this game. They will play for a little while, but then again, that baby's just going to throw that phone away and he's going to go run to find his mom. You cannot distract children when they want something. So likewise, our heart also has a need. It needs food. And what is that food? The dhikr of Allah. 
ذکر از دا فوڈ آف دا ہارٹ اینڈ اف دا ہارٹ از ناٹ فیڈ ول اٹ بی ہیپی ول اٹ بی ایٹ ریسٹ ول اٹ بی ایٹ پیس ول یو بی ایبل ٹو ڈو اینی تھنگ ان لائف نو یو وونٹ بی ایبل ٹو سو واٹس دا سولوشن واچ اے مووی واٹس دا سولوشن گو شاپنگ واٹس دا سولوشن گو ٹیک سم میڈیکیشنس گو فار سم تھیراپی دیز تھنگس کین ہیلپ دے کین ہیلپ بٹ دے آر ناٹ دا سولوشن دا سولوشن از ٹو ریمبر That is what will really bring peace and comfort to your heart. And nothing else can. Really nothing else can. You see the Prophet and Abu Bakr when they were in the cave, Abu Bakr anhu was so nervous, he was crying, worried. And the Prophet said, لا تحسن إن الله معنا Don't worry, Allah is with us. How come the Prophet was at peace? Because he was remembering Allah. So that fear, that worry, that concern, it was gone. In a hadith we learn that whoever is frightened by the darkness of the night or whoever is afraid of spending wealth or he feels weak to face the enemy then he should increase in saying Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi He should increase in saying Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi Who? The one who is afraid of the darkness of the night Or who is afraid of spending money in the way of Allah. Or he is afraid to face the enemy. Whatever that enemy, whatever that challenge may be. That the Prophet ﷺ said that he should increase in the dhikr of Allah. And which dhikr specifically? Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Recently with everything that's happening, especially in Palestine, I have so many people around me that share the details and I feel, I don't want to look away or ignore them because that in itself makes me feel guilty. And... We all feel so overwhelmed with helplessness and sadness. Even it doesn't matter how many protests you go to or how many things you share on Facebook. We still can't help our brothers and sisters there. And one of my relatives, she shared this ayat with us. It is really one of the most calming and it's one of the best reminders from the entire Quran that I love. Because literally it is... the best thing we can do is remember Allah and that will give our hearts peace. When you're heart sick and you're heavy hearted and literally you can't stop crying because of everything that's going on. Yeah. This, is, this is what we can do. Yeah. So you cry before Allah and pray to Him and ask Him for guidance to show you the best way. That is what will bring comfort and peace to your heart. Otherwise, nothing will. In a hadith we learned that the Prophet ﷺ said, سَبَقَ الْمُفْرِدُونَ The Mufridun or the Mufarridun, they have gone ahead. They have surpassed everybody. They have basically won. The Sahaba said, who are they? And the Prophet ﷺ said, they are those who remember Allah. They are those who remain engaged in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those people have gotten ahead of everybody. Because there are certain deeds for which you have to be in a certain place, you have to wait for a certain time, or you have to be in a certain state, and only then you can perform those deeds. Right? Like for example, if you want to give sadaqah, then you have to find someone to give sadaqah to. You have to have something to give sadaqah with. But when it comes to the dhikr of Allah, then really you can do it at any time. Because that's what the Prophet ﷺ used to do. 
His wives, how did they describe him? That he used to remember Allah. في كل أحيانه In every state of his, he would remember Allah. And this is why he was such a calm person. Despite the difficulties that he faced in life. What happens with us? We freak out over every little thing. We're stressing out. We get angry, we get upset, we get anxious. Why? Because we don't know how to bring calmness to our hearts. And what's the solution? How do you calm your heart? Through the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Aisha radiallahu anha said that the Prophet ﷺ used to say a lot, Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayhi. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi and astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayhi used to say this a lot. A lot. And both of these, doing tasbih and doing istighfar, was something that the Prophet ﷺ made a habit of. So for example, in the morning, Remember that instant when Juwayri she was sitting after Fajr doing the, the Prophet ﷺ came to see her, went somewhere else and came back at noon time and she was still doing dhikr. What did he say? I have just said four kalimat three times and I have earned more reward than you. And what was that dhikr? Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi adada khalqihi wa rida nafsihi wa zinata arshihi wa midada kalimatihi. Hmm? So he would say that in the morning. Then likewise in hadith we learn that if a person says Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, Subhanallah al-Azim, all of these different forms of tasbih, a hundred times a day, then what's the benefit of that? His sins will be forgiven even if they are like the foam of the sea. Just imagine. You see, What is it that makes us worried and anxious? Our mistakes. Hmm? Our shortcomings. Our weaknesses. Our sins. They really make us feel burdened. They make our heart feel heavy. So that we cannot relax, we cannot enjoy. You know, we feel awkward when we're interacting with certain people. So what's the way out? How do you relax yourself in your heart? By remembering Allah. By having your sins forgiven. By remembering His glory, His greatness. The fact that He can forgive sins no matter how many they may be. Saira? The night time, what zikr to say. And you know, um, it's so perfect in our lives right now because when you're driving alone, especially in the middle of the night for Qiyam, and it's dark, you can't help but feel nervous and anxious. So yesterday I was just reading that to myself and subhanAllah, I felt so calm and tranquil. Especially when you are going to the masjid, you don't want to feel anxious or nervous. So I was just saying, subhanAllah, we learn everything at such perfect timing. And I felt so relaxed and that I'm in the care of my Lord. There's nothing else. And really, really, I felt that it really did give me sakina, peace. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And you see, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot, I mean, you might say, well, saying subhanAllah, you will be hamdi a hundred times. And that means that after every salah, I'm sitting and doing dhikr, or you know, when I'm walking, I'm doing dhikr, when I'm doing my chores, I'm doing dhikr. You can never do a lot of dhikr. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself says, Udkurullaha dhikran kathira. Remember Allah a lot. Kathir. And you see, in Surah Al Ahzab, we learn about the qualities of the ideal Muslim men and women. In ayah number 35, إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَالْقَانِتِينَ وَالْقَانِتَاتِ And many qualities are mentioned amongst them, those who fast, those who are chaste, those who spend in the way of Allah, those who are truthful. 
And then one quality that is mentioned is those who remember Allah, but with that, kathira is mentioned. وَذَاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَذَاكِرًا This is the only quality with which kathir has come. So it shows that a believer, the more he increases in his character, in his good qualities, the more he increases in his dhikr also. Zakariya alayhi salam. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell him? Do you remember? In Surah Ali Imran we learned, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ كَثِيرًا And remember your Lord much, a lot. Musa alayhi salam, Harun alayhi salam, what did they say? كَيْ نُسَبِّحَكَ كَثِيرًا وَنَذْكُرَكَ كَثِيرًا Ya Allah, we will do a lot of your tasbih and we will remember you a lot. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself orders the believers, يَا أَيُّوَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أُذْكُرُ اللَّهَ ذِكْرًا كَثِيرًا Remember him a lot. And likewise, in the most difficult situations also, what does Allah say? That when you're facing the enemy, يَا أَيُّوَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا لَقِيتُمْ فِئَةً فَاثْبُتُوا وَاذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا And remember Allah much. So a believer remembers Allah a lot. And who is it that does not remember Allah a lot? Who remembers Allah very little? وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Whose sifa is this? Those who have nifaq, those who have hypocrisy, they don't remember Allah, even when they're praying salah. So as we pray salah every day, check, how much is it that I remembered Allah? Was I of those who didn't remember Allah except very little? How much am I busy with the dhikr of Allah? How much is my tongue busy with the dhikr of Allah? Or is it busy saying other things? Is it busy talking about other things? And the Prophet ﷺ was asked that what is the best speech? What is the best speech, the best words? And he said, that which Allah has chosen for His servants, meaning the angels. And what is that? Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi. That's the best speech. The most beloved speech near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember, kalimatan, khafifatan, ala lisan, habibatan, ila rahman, and saqilatan, Filmizan, which ones are they? Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, Subhanallah al-Azim. And in another hadith, we learned that Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. Do you know these akar? What are they? Say them loudly. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, allahu akbar. Are they difficult to say? Are they difficult? No, alhamdulillah, they're not difficult. So we can say them, right? In hadith, we learn that these words, they cause a person's sins to fall from him, just like leaves fall from a tree. Just like leaves fall from a tree. Right now you see trees are full of leaves. Hmm? But what will happen as the season will change? These trees will be standing and there will not even be a single leaf on them. So when a person stays busy in the dhikr of Allah, then what happens? His sins are falling. Falling so much so that he's completely cleansed, completely washed. Completely washed. In hadith we learn that when a person commits a sin, then a black mark appears on his heart. And if he does tawbah, he does istighfar, and that is also a form of remembering Allah, then what happens? That black mark is removed. It is eradicated. It is wiped off. His heart is cleaned. So dhikr of Allah, istighfar, all of that is a means of cleansing ourselves, purifying ourselves. And this is the greatest 
comfort that you can have this is the greatest source of peace and relaxation that you can have no pill can relax you that way no food can relax you that way because it can food and all of these things can make you happy in your stomach but unless your heart is at peace you cannot be at peace and you cannot be at peace until unless you have this confidence that your lord is protecting you your rub is hopefully inshallah happy with you and how is it that you get closer to allah through the dhikr of allah so ala bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul qulub so this ramadan let's develop a habit a few days that are left let's focus on this set targets for yourself every day i have to say subhanallah wa bihamdihi at least a hundred times tell me how long does it take to say this once subhanallah wa bihamdihi how long does it take hmm no no just subhanallah wa bihamdihi once how long does it take a second maybe less than that maybe a little more than that depending on how fast or slow you say it so if you were saying it a hundred times how long should it take you maximum two minutes three minutes maximum we see the number 100 and we're like oh my mom can do it my grandma can do it now i have to do it also and i have to make time for this hmm inshallah the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also said that if i were to say subhanallah walhamdulillah wa la ilaha illallah wallahu akbar if i were to say these words they are more beloved to me than anything on which the sun rises meaning these words are more beautiful to me they are more beloved to me than anything on this planet anything on this earth these kalimat are more beloved to me because this is what happens when you increase in the dhikr and the dhikr brings you peace then that is what you enjoy that is what you desire that is what you prefer over everything else may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those people who really find comfort and peace in the dhikr of allah okay we listen to the recitation of these ayat وَالَّذِينَ يَنْقُضُونَ عَهْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مِيثَاقِهِ وَيَقْطَعُونَ وَيَقْطَعُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَنْ يُوصَلَ وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ أُولَئِكَ أُولَئِكَ لَهُمْ وَلَهُمْ سُوءُ الدَّارِ اللَّهُ يَبْسُطُ الرِّزْقَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَقْدِرُ وَفَرِحُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ إِلَّا مَتَاعٌ وَيَقُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ مِّن رَّبِّهِ قُلْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُضِلُّ مَن يَشَاءُ وَيَهْدِي إِلَيْهِ مَنْ أَنَابَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَتَطْمَئِنُّ قُلُوبُهُمْ بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ أَلَا بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ تَطْمَئِنُّ الْقُلُوبُ